What's up, Maverick Nation? I am so incredibly excited for our guest today, the Amy Kushner, uh, not only a really amazing colleague of mine, but also a great friend of mine. Uh, she's got an incredible story. She's an amazing human being, and you guys are going to get a real treat listening to this conversation. So let's get on into it. Uh, Amy, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I love the, the most distinguished part of that introduction is, is the, the friendship and the colleague. So thank you for including me in that circle. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we'll give some, we'll give folks a little background. So you and I actually uh, met about, it's about seven years ago now. And mm -hmm. we met while we were um, working on a rocket ship real estate team <laughs> that like taught us a ton and, and stressed yeah. us out a bit, but um, yeah. it brought us together and, and, and we bonded and got to learn a lot about one another. And, uh, and now we've both gone in very different directions in our mm -hmm. careers. And so, you know, what I really want people to be able to learn about you today is like the resilience that you have, the vision that you have, and just all the really cool things that you're doing and what really motivates you. So um, why don't you kind of in your own words, let people know who uh, Amy Kushner is. Who am I? We, um, so we did meet, it was, it was about, it was about seven years ago. And I, when I referenced that time, I referenced like when I was growing up, back yeah. when I was growing up in real estate, um, who am I? I, it's interesting to, to be faced with that question because I'm really in a phase of like redefining that. And if you had asked me that question at any point in my life prior to this, I would have, I would have felt defined or I would have felt like validated by what I was doing and the specifics around that. And for the first time in my life, I am creating and defining myself very differently and exploring. So who am I? I'm on this exploration. Um, I'm a woman in business. Um, I'm family. I'm a mom of two. I am now an empty nester. My youngest is going off to college. My oldest is there. And I'm exploring. I'm walking this path, leading some, following some, locking arm in arms with, you know, at some parts. And just you know, figuring it all out, creating this journey and also surrendering, surrendering to it as I go. I love that. I love that. And, uh, and, you know, I think, I think that is a hard question, right? Like, who are you? Because where does our mind go? Our mind, our mind goes to the things that we associate ourselves with more often than not. Right. And, uh, and, and you and I, when we last uh, spoke, we were talking a lot about the, the spiritual journey that you're on and also that I've yeah. just began to embark on and, and going through that journey, you, you, you start to learn a lot about, you know, who you are is not what you do or, or yeah. how you kind of label yourself, but it's something so much deeper. So let, let's unpack that a little bit. You said that you're sure. redefining yourself and, and like rebuilding yourself. What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, you know, a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me that I would have said like, I'm this age, <laughs> I'm this age. I have these kids. I'm this, you know, I'm a mom. I, this is my job. This is my title. And that's who I am. And I realized in this journey, and I, I've been, I'm a writer, I've been writing for years, and I recently labeled it my journey from pieces to piece. I love that. And, you know, and in this process, I realized those are some of the circumstances around me. Those are some of the things that I've done and I've accomplished. Those are some of the challenges that I've 
faced and sat down in and triumphed and learned from and grew, but it's not who I am. It doesn't define me. And there was this very scary space of like not having a definition and what does that mean and feeling very uncomfortable in that perceived uncertainty when in fact it's also that it's unlimited opportunity. So uh, changing my relationship to it and understanding what felt like it was scary and dark is really the warmth of, of all that's possible and choosing where I'm going in that possibility really depends on what feels right and aligned for me and my essence and my core. So that's, um, there might be even more to unpack from there, but that's, that's what comes to mind. I love that. Well, and, and I love that you said, you know, that you're a writer and, and then you, you referenced like your, your writing this next chapter. And yeah. I just re-listened to Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. Not sure if you've listened yeah. to that yet, but incredible. And, um, and, and he was telling a story and in that story, I won't go into the whole story, but he basically said, um, you can turn the page anytime you want. It's your book to write. And I would loved it. And I didn't hear it the first time I listened to the book yeah. and I heard it the second time, which was really impactful. So I, I really love that because you're right. I mean, you know, we, we go through different stages in our life and I love how you state it from pieces to peace. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you, you're a leader and you work with a lot of people that some are doing great things, some are not doing such great things, and some are just totally lost, yet aren't we, aren't we all a little bit lost? Yes, we are. And that's also part of this process. That's part of this journey. It's, so um, one of my teachers said to me, like, if you're, Actually, and this also, I'll, I'll pull in a book, the, the Untethered Soul. I don't know if you've ever read it or listened to it on Audible. I highly recommend listening. It's a fun journey. The, the narration is incredible and it really helps to, to break it all down and so that you can like digest it all. And he describes the situation, like imagine you're sitting and watching a movie and you're watching the, um, the character and you start to think like the character is thinking and you start to, you know, what's going to come next oh my goodness and you can feel all the feelings and you even get the emotions and you might even cry or get scared and your stomach might drop and then imagine watching that person um, eat popcorn and all of a sudden you can taste it you're so ingrained in it that you for a couple seconds or a couple minutes you forget that that's not you we're on this journey we're on this journey and we're we're living this living this movie we're living this experience and can we can we experience it as the adventure or are we stuck in that character not realizing we're the ones that are deciding what happens and what the you know the next scene is going to be it's our choice and we're not limited that i think was the most defining change for me in the last couple of years prior to that my um my approach to a situation was like okay what's available here what are my options rather than this is my intention this is what i want this is where i'm aligned this is where my essence what i am craving and desiring and this is what i'm going to create and if it's not possible in the situation i'm going to find a way to either make it possible or select out and find something else that that fits me better and I, I it's it's been the biggest change for me 
I love that. I mean, I, I hear clarity, right? A lot more clarity around what you want, but maybe more importantly, what you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what does that look like for you now? I mean, I, I know what you do professionally and we'll share it with that. You know, you're, you're a team leader, CEO of, of a great yeah. market center with Keller Williams in, in Baltimore. You're, you're a Baltimore girl, uh, born and bred, right? And, yeah. um, and, and now seven, eight years in, in the real estate business and you've been on quite a journey. What, what does this journey continue to look like? Or maybe why don't we do this? Why don't you take us through that journey? Because I know that sure. th- there was Amy before real estate as well. <laughs> For 18 years, I, um, I was in financial services and I started out of college. I'm a little bit of a type A driver. So I did college in a shorter period of time than most because it was going too slow for me. And I was anxious to get started into like real life. Um, so I, I got a job right after college with Etsy Rowe Price and really felt like I had made it there was a, my, my name was on my cube and you know like that to me I had arrived um, and you know, learned one 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 foot in front of the other what I liked and and what I still needed and I made my way from there to um, being you know, um, financial advisor working with estate and succession planning in a high net worth wealth planning firm so like took 18 years from answering phones to being, you know, to being the advisor. And one day I, um, I hit a point where I loved the people that I worked with and no longer loved what I did. And I was trying to find that spark again. And my sister said, um, Hey, you need to read this book. My, you know, my boss is reading this book. It's on his desk. He's a smart guy. You should read it. I read the book and I was like, Oh my gosh, I realized that nothing about what I needed to do to be successful in that business anymore was what I wanted to do. So hired a life coach and she said, can you be open to the possibility? Like, fine. Somebody reached out to me. Hey, I understand you might be looking for a job. And I was like, not really. And she said, well, you came highly recommended. Would you mind giving me your resume? So I did. It was my sister who'd introduced me to this person. And um, it was somebody in real estate. And I was like, you know, I sent her my resume. She said, I'd love to get together with you. I'm looking for an admin. I can't hire you for an admin because you'll leave in a few months. But would you, be con- would you consider doing something else and being open to possibility? And those are the words that my life coach had said. Can wow. you be open to possibility? So four-month interview process, I have financial services. I joined this team. Um, and come to find out the person in the team, um, in that real estate business was the one who'd given the book to my sister's boss that inspired her to give it to me. So oh my goodness. all things, all things divinely. Wow. Yeah. So at, you know, 39 facing 40, I made a career change after spending a lot of time and effort to become an expert, um, and really fight past that like young woman limitation that I dealt with a lot in financial services um, or the perceived limitation, I guess, for, for somebody else. And I started over day one, knowing nothing. The two real estate transactions I had been through of my own, um, the laws had changed and that was no longer an option. So I couldn't even use that as a model. 
and I started from day one. I think you and I met about a year into my journey. And um, I started off as kind of like a, an apprentice and became listing partner, handled all of the listings on a mega team and then lead listing specialist and listing partner. And then a year later after that on the third year, um, became team leader of the mega team and did that from, you know, into my fourth year. And then, and then it was time for another opportunity. That's amazing. And in so, that time, I got to meet you. Yeah, yeah, which was which is the best part for both of us. <laughs> it is. So, eighteen year career, and we talk to people pretty often. And you know, the the purpose of this podcast is is to really help people to to sh to show people that it is possible to really choose what success looks like for you, right? So from answering phones to being the advisor, 18 years, walk us through what it takes in a person's mind to be able to make such a massive life decision. Okay. So looking back on it, I can explain it in a moment. I could have never, I could have never have articulated it. Um, I would say, and I notice this pattern for myself in other places, this, this seems to be my process. I, scary doesn't stop me. That actually excites me. I mean, you know, it's the first thought, but like the second thought is like, ooh, I, like, you know, like they told me I can't, uh, I'm gonna do it anyway. So that, that gets exciting. It's where danger, where I perceive danger, that really stops me. Mm. So, I was in this place where I was so emotionally spent and I was unfulfilled, which I think is the dangerous place for anyone, for mm -hmm. a human. At one point in my career, I had worked with my father. I'd been in business with him and we'd had a really tough relationship growing up. This um, time in business, gave us an opportunity to heal some really deep stuff and also create a new relationship going forward. And that was life-changing. And it, it was so fulfilling in addition to the work that I was doing with him, with our clients, he passed away unexpectedly. Mm. And I didn't have the same fulfillment. I had to grieve and mourn and then also find my new connection to what I had done. And I just couldn't find that connection beyond the people that I really adored. And I looked into, I was you know, being recruited by the top teams in the investment firm. And it just like nothing, nothing was creating that opportunity for fulfillment for me. And what, what I realized at that point was I was looking around and I've always done this. I've looked for mentors in all my, in all my spaces, personal and business. And there was nobody at the time that I aspired to be when I grew up, if that makes sense. Sure. So then I knew it was time to make a change. I hadn't considered that it was a career change. And looking back, my ego was really in the way. I worked really hard to 
get the certifications and achieve the level of knowledge that I had. And I had so much stacked against me along the way. And I'd pushed and had been relentless and felt like that defined me and validated me. And making a change, it was scary without that, without that validity. But what I connected to in making that career change was the mission mm. and what it was going to do. I was so aligned to the mission of what this, you know, this group of people were doing, not just with the focus of business, but what the business mission was, had such a personal connection for me that I felt that level of connection and, and fulfillment there. So I made the leap. And going back to the scary dangerous, when the discomfort is so significant and it's the fear or the danger or you know what's in front of you that's scary and you sit there long enough, the, the pendulum swings and the scales level out. And then for me, it's the fear and what's scary about staying where I am. Mm. I was in so much pain where I was and the, what was scary was being stuck there. So then the fear was no longer around taking the, the risk and making the move. The fear was staying put. And so then making the move was actually taking a step toward where I wanted to go, toward fulfillment, toward connection and, and personal satisfaction of mission. And then that no longer, the, the wall of fear wasn't there. It's really interesting. Um, you know, we talk to a lot of people in the space, primarily real estate agents, of course. Uh, it's not only a real estate podcast, but primarily real estate agents. And and there always almost seems to be something consistent, but I didn't hear it at all in there. And it's really interesting. I didn't hear anything about money. I didn't hear anything about income. That wasn't a driver for you at all, was it? Oh, I left. I left. I made a significant income and I was the main income earner mm. my house of my husband, my two kids. I had the house at the picket fence and the SUV and the minivan and the two, you know, purebred dogs. Like I had the whole picture and I was dying inside. Ugh. And I kept thinking like, I just need to make more money because when I can do that, then we can go on vacations. We can do this. I can have a housekeeper. I can have somebody come make my meals. I can, like I, I kept thinking, like, let me just do this and I'll be okay. And I did this and it wasn't okay. I was not okay. And it was the, the timeline, like the birthday was coming, that 40 thing, it was approaching. And it, it just became that fear of um, not leaving it all in the field. I didn't want to look back and have regret. It became so scary to me. I watched my father's life and where it, before he did what he knew he could complete. And I didn't want to do the same thing. And I took a massive, massive income cut. Wow. And it was painful. It was painful. And it was less painful than staying where I was because the money wasn't the thing. I yeah. knew though that like money is a top value for me. I knew I had to be in a place where <clears throat> I could I could recreate that. I didn't have something in my way. 
So as long as I have the opportunity to create it myself and to get back where I was, that wasn't going to be the deciding factor in making the change or not. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, you, you hear that theme a lot, actually, when people have really begun to, to like make money. And, and when we talk about ego and, 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 and spirituality and all that, and you hear that story so often of like, you know, I just needed this, or once I made this, then it would be okay. And then, and then you hear stories of, but then I got there and I was still missing something like I still wasn't feeling fulfilled or complete or whatever the, the words are that, that, that people may use. And, and you hear that a lot. And so I think, you know, for anybody listening, what an incredible story. I mean, I think most people probably know what type of money can be made in the financial services industry, right? I mean, that industry and the real estate industry, I think have made more millionaires than any other industries yeah. combined, right? Yeah. So, so, so to do that is not only brave, but it also speaks volume to your ability to listen to yourself on the inside. A lot of people will like, you know, live quiet lives of desperation until they get to the end of it. And then, like you said, look back and have regrets and what an awful, awful thing to think about, you know, and, 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 uh, and I, I always like to, it's not my quote, but I always like to think of it whenever I'm feeling that way of like, imagine you get to heaven and God has a flip chart there for you. And he goes, this is the life that you were supposed to have. Oh. Or that you could have had or any of those things. Right. Yeah. I, um, like that hit me hard. Yeah. I, so my my dad had had some health issues. He had a complicated health story. Um, and he'd broken, um, broken a bone and needed to have this procedure to fix it. And he wasn't healthy enough to have it. And he was in a wheelchair for a while. Mm. And they watched this brilliant man be stuck. And I saw what it did. And then he finally got his health to the point where he could have the surgery. And they said, um, the biggest risk is making it through the procedure. And he made it through the procedure and then it was okay. We just need to see how he comes through. Mm. The, um, like getting over the anesthesia and all of that. And then he came through that, he was fine. It's like, okay, he made it, we're good. It was the day, he had it the Wednesday before Christmas. We were there you know, days after Christmas, the day after Christmas day, so the 26th, I said, guys, like I came in in the morning, said, I'll see you tomorrow. And he looked at me like I needed to go. I wanted to do some shopping. I wanted to have a little bit of a holiday. I had none that year. And he looked at me and he said, "Um, okay, I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. And I was like, no, you'll be it. And they wanted him to go to a rehab facility. I was like, you'll be in the rehab. I'll come there to see you. And he was like, I don't know, we'll see. And I looked at him and he made this, gave me this look. And I didn't like, it was across the room. I didn't hug him goodbye. I didn't do all of that stuff. I just, like, I just needed to go. And I could tell there was more of a conversation there. And I was like, we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. And I left. And the look on his face haunted me. I, I, had, I had made it mean that he was upset with me for leaving. And I carried that with me for hours. I went to the mall. My mother calls and she was like, I think something's wrong with that. I'm like, mom, it's fine. 
Like, I just, I just need a couple hours. He's fine. And then she calls me back. He was not fine. And um, he had a massive heart attack. And that was it. And I never got to do the hugs. I never got to do the I love yous or the goodbyes or, or, or any of that. And I was stuck with that look on his face. And I realized years later that that was him. Like, I think he knew. I think he knew what was happening. Um, and that was the what's the word like he was processing through that was like the resignation he was processing through and um and that look on his face haunted me and it's that it's the same thing of like when you get there and you look back and of the like what you didn't do I felt like that's what I was watching I don't want to be there and I don't want anyone else to be there that is what wakes me up every morning and what has inspired me to take the kind of action that I've done and face the things that are scary because I saw what it looked like. And that is not the life that, that anybody wants or deserves. Wow. That is, um, that's, that was really, really deep. Um, and, and sad, but also beautiful uh, story there. Um, I'm sorry about your dad. That's terrible. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I see, I think in our relationship, the time that I've known you, I, I, and even just this conversation, I'm learning more about you. Like I never knew that story before. It is starting to make a little more sense even when we were working together and, and we talked about this the last time we were, we were together and, 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 and you were still fighting through, like not really where, where you want it to be. And, and, and I, and I always found it so interesting, but also probably cause I wasn't processing it enough in myself, but like how you were really struggling to find that. Right. And, and I think oftentimes we as humans, we're just like, just figure it out. It's just this. Right. And we just choose something because either somebody tells us that's what it's supposed to be, or we just assume that that's what it's supposed to be, or it just is the, the comfortable or the easy thing. So, you know, share, share with the audience a little bit about that. So we were doing a goal setting session oh, and, yes. and you, and you were, you were oh. struggling to write down your goals and you shared something with me recently about that. And, and that was a really, really interesting story as well. So to, so to, to explain the dynamic between us, you were the director of sales, you were the team leader, and I was an agent on the team and you were a very dynamic leader with a ton of energy and heart. And it was like at a, at a, at a swift pace, I'll say. (laughs) And it was like, here's the exercise. Here's what needs to happen. Go. And it was three columns on a piece of paper. And we were to write down our goals. And, and we were going to go. So you were going somewhere with it. This was the foundational piece. And the three columns were the one-year goal, the five-year goal, goals, five each, right. five one-year goals, 
five five-year goals and five someday goals. Right. And I did the one-year goals and I remember backing into it based upon the money that I needed. So it was like, how much do I need to make? What needs to happen in order to do that? Like I know how to do that part. And the someday goals, I, I'm a big thinker. So I can, I could do those. It was the five-year goals that were blank. And you were like, Amy, what are you doing? <laughs> Finish. I couldn't do it. And I think even I was like, you know, like I ran out of time. I'm good. Like I'll, I'll work on it. And you looked at me and I remember like the room looking at me and I was like, I'll work on it. You know, like I'm busy. And a couple days later, as an amazing leader does, you held me accountable for this part because I couldn't take the next step and design my life without that piece. You don't know where you want to go until you, you can't get where you want to go until you know where that is. You don't get in your car to drive across country without a GPS or a map. I, and what I realized sitting in the, the second conversation when you were like, okay, get it done. Here's the time. You have nothing else to do. I was faced with what I wanted my life to be like in five years. And I started hyperventilating. It's funny now. It wasn't then. And I, I, I could not catch my breath. I started crying. And it started with the realization of where my life was going to be at that point, just timeline. My daughter was going to be in college. And it made me realize that where I was going with the trajectory of my life, if I left it alone, where the train was going, wasn't where I wanted to go. And the pain was that I wasn't ready to see that. And yet I had just seen it and I couldn't unsee it. And I had to do a whole lot of processing and figuring it out. It was gut-wrenching and pivotal because so much happened from that opportunity and accountability and care when a leader shows up and 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 has accountability with care everything becomes possible right like great leaders will go to the places where it's scary to go and you did you went there and you sat with me and and wanted that for me and I just had to process through it all and look at it and it took it took a few years yeah well, thank you for the kind words and thank you for sharing that. I know it's very personal. Um, but I think again, it shows like you're not going to settle. No. You you're you're not going to settle. And I and I love that about you. And I wish that more people could be that way. Like you're not a I'm gonna lift this carpet up and just brush it under there and go on no. about my day. <laughs> no. In fact, <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm going to pick it up. We're going to have a conversation about it. We're going to look at it, figure out what, what tools we both want to use. Yeah, no, I'm not. And sometimes in my head, I'm like, Amy, shut up. (laughs) Why can't you just stop talking? And, and it's the, it's what happens in that when you brush under the rug, the contempt builds. And you can't always go back and fix it. You know, like, so to to bring back my relationship with my father, I had the amazing blessing of being able to work through some of those hard things and create a new relationship. 
and get complete around some of the things that were painful and traumatic and and it was an amazing experience and there was still some stuff we'd spent some years not talking on and off or you know here and there and i was very right i was right in in like I was right. I had standards. And if he wasn't going to treat me this way, then that means it's what I made it mean. That means he doesn't love, respect, blah, 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 whatever it was that I made it mean. So I was very right in not talking with him. But after he was gone, just because I was right, it, it held no water. I wanted those minutes and days and months back so desperately. And I would have taken being wrong because really what I wanted was time with him so being right didn't didn't ease any of the pain it didn't stop or prevent any of the pain and that's what i was trying to do was prevent pain and avoid it and instead i it was an entrance in to bigger pain mm. and i and i learned that being right can sometimes be wrong wow. and i was willing to run to those ugly conversations because if you're going to talk with me, even if you want to fight with me, that's still us being working on and being in our relationship. And I'll take that because again, that's less painful than the pain of I can't do anything to fix it anymore. Wow. So how does that show up now in your daily life? Because you are a, a a great leader yourself and you have a ton of people that look to you for guidance and for support and leadership how does how do those lessons show up with the people that you now have in your care um i have the standard for myself to be relentless and to to constantly grow and i have that standard for the people who are close to me and as you mentioned, not everyone's ready. Like go back and look at me facing that one, you know, that five-year column, I wasn't ready. So I'll hold space for them and the opportunities there when they're ready. And for the people that are close in my circle, um, they know that the conversation is the relationship with me. And there are times where they'll say like, and that, <laughs> I'm tired of, I had a business partner who said, I'm, I'm tired of talking about how we talk about things. And yet, and I'd say, okay, great. But like, is our relationship healthy? Is there any contempt? Is there anything that you haven't said or feel like you can't say? And he'd say, no, I'm like, okay, great. Then you can have a break <laughs> <laughs> and we'll come back to this at another time because I care about you. So there's a lot of conversations in my world. And, um, and I also understand that it's, you're the one who decides your pace. I might push a little, just like you did for me. And, and I also, I'm going to say like, it's your decision. I'm here when you're ready. Love that. I love that. And, and I see the way that the people respond to you. And, you. you know, I think that, I think that, well, we talked about this the last time we we're there, right? Like leadership is hard, right? Uh, <laughs> Business uh, is hard. The journey hard. of those two things. Um, what's your leadership experience like now? Like, like if you had to stage your, your journey, what's, what stage are you in now? Oh my goodness. Um, what I'm working on continuing to develop is the leadership by influence. 
rather than by title or assignment is that um, I have this vision, I have this idea. Do you care to, to come with me? Do you care to try? And so that I would say is the phase and, um, and I'll probably always, I don't know that there is a point where you, you um, graduate from this. It's I think at this point for me to continue learning and growing and developing myself, my, my self leadership and my ability to lead others at my capacity to lead others and hold space for them. And um, I, I, it's, an on, it's an ongoing everyday, everyday yeah. journey. I love that you said your self-leadership. Um, you know, that's what uh, our CEO, Adam Hergenroth, that's one of the things that he says all the time is that self-leadership has to come before leadership. Yeah, definitely. And when he said it the first time, I was like, what is he talking about? And then I started yeah. to think on it and I started to think of the different places or areas or things that I wasn't truly leading myself in the right way. And I went, oh my gosh, I understand what he's saying. What a big deal. What like an eye opener that is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I love that you said that like you are working on that stage of, I have this vision or this idea. Would you care to come along? that's an exciting place for me to aspire to get to. Cause I'm still in that. And Amy was being nice when she said dynamic, what she meant was that high energy and like slightly demanding. <laughs> I'm still in, I'm somewhat still like, I, well, I'm an old sports guy. Right. So a lot of my leadership comes from sports leadership. And while the way that yeah. we deal with fellow athletes and the way that we deal with our colleagues right. are very oh, yeah. different, right. It They're is. very, very different. And, and I catch myself often like being, almost taking up the room with my energy mm -hmm. because I'm trying mm -hmm. so hard to supply the room with energy that I'm almost mm -hmm. stifling the energy that's naturally in there. Mm -hmm. And and I don't intend to do that, but I, at least right. with some of that self-leadership that you just talked about, I'm getting to a place where I can start to identify that and then go, okay, no, I'm not giving any space for folks here. I've, I've got to step back a little bit. That's interesting. And that's, I mean, how, that's incredible growth. That's incredible growth. I can't say I experienced that of you and your leadership. I didn't feel like I didn't have the space. Um, and yet knowing what I know now, I understand what that's like as the leader wanting to, to, I understand. And we, we, we do it with such good intentions. So I'm a sports person. And I also grew up the daughter of a fisherman. So everything is either a sports reference or a fishing reference. Love it. Um, so this one is a sports reference. My daughter played soccer and she, the coach um, would do one-on-ones with them and look at game video. And, and when they were younger, parents got to see it also. And there was one time where she was a defensive centerman and he was showing how she would fight to get the ball. She'd be in a 50-50 battle, one player against one player to get the ball. She'd get the ball. She'd reposition, she'd make the pass, and then she'd have to run back. And because she had gotten out of her position, somebody else had to cover her, which then left a weakness on the field. Mm. So when she made the pass, the other team could easily 
turn over again. And she was constantly going in and fighting for these 50 fifties. And she was all over the field and all of the other players were confused. She saw that as being a leader and making stuff happen. And what the coach explained to all of us is that if you don't play positional discipline and you don't lead in your space, then you're stepping into somebody else's and you're disrupting your team. So for me. Wow. What a lesson in that. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, she was 12. <laughs> wow. I, I sat there and like, that was mind blowing for me. Her coach had a PhD in psychology and it was oh the most fascinating experience. I learned so much. Um, and I, I think of that today, nine years, eight years later, where am I? with really good intentions and a really big heart, where am I not playing positional discipline that's rocking the boat for the rest of my team? What does positional discipline look like? Oh my goodness. And it, it was some really honest conversations with my kids about our home life too. I thought I was, you know, they were walking in the room and I'm like, what do you want? What do you need? You hungry? Can we get to something? that's not the upbringing that I had. And I wanted them to have something so different. And they were like, enough, I'm just Mm. walking in here. That's it. I just needed the trash can. But they were, their experience of it was one thing, my intention, my heart was something else. And I had to understand that what I was bringing to that space was not what they wanted. Wow. That, 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 that's a huge, huge lesson. I mean, to hear it that way and to be able to visualize it and and you know it takes me back to one of the bold laws right change the way you look at things the things you look at change i mean yeah. that's in, that's so incredible because what you said is something that i think most of us as leaders know or at least attempting to be leaders know however we look at it in different ways and sometimes with a more negative connotation and so let me explain like something that 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 i heard a leader say a long time ago that i was like yes that's what i want mm-hmm. was I'm not going to put people on my back and carry them along with me. I want people to want to stand up and run with me. Well, that's still something that I feel passionate about. But now just hearing what you said, I now realize how that statement can take place in my mind of almost superiority. Like, I'm not doing this for you. You got to do it yourself. And yet what you just said is, Yes. And they have their leadership piece and you have your leadership piece. Are you playing yours without expectations and just doing the best that you can? Or do you have something tied to your leadership? Something self-serving that maybe you don't even realize is there. Right. What is, and that's, and I did that for years. For me, it was validation. I needed external validation because I didn't see and acknowledge myself. Mm. And so go back to my, you know, self-leadership. There's also the relationship with myself that was, that was not a healthy one. So I had to learn how to do that. Sports reference. When you are hurt on the field, mindset is like your team needs you. It's go time. Like you push through. Well, off the field that you might need a break. You might need some time to allow yourself some downtime before you break. And 
So going back to that whole like positional discipline and team, you taught me something huge. And I don't even know it was in, it was in your old office, your original office. Um, I was leaning against the, the wall and by the end of the conversation, I was crouched on the floor, <laughs> crouched on the floor and tears were just rolling. And I remember you saying, um, like, you can ask for help. And I shook my head without even realizing it. It was that like subtle subconscious, like I was thinking it inside and you were like, what do you mean? No, like, I didn't say no. And you said, like, you can ask for help. And I realized that my belief, and I don't even know where I got it. I inherited this belief was that if I asked for help, then I didn't get to celebrate the win. It wasn't mine. Mm. I didn't trust being on a team. I wanted to be on a team. I just didn't trust that I would be, that I would be seen as having contribution if I asked for help. And you said, like, that's the whole point of being on a team is so that we can help each other. And I remember like through the tears, I told you um, what it was that I needed, that I needed help with. And you were like, yeah, absolutely. And that was such a breakthrough for me. So like pull that, pull that forward into playing positional discipline. There's always the opportunity to get help from your team, but it's from communication, not just from taking their position on the field and assuming they're going to cover you. It's the conversation and, and allowing them to see the vision and to join you and saying, absolutely, I got you. Go ahead. I love that. I love that. And it's hard for people, like you said, type A people, right? High drive people. I think it's really, really hard for us oftentimes to watch the process of others that maybe are not the same to get where it is that you're trying to go. Like I I find there's a lot of challenge in that for me, and I'm sure you feel it too. And I'm sure many leaders do, and and probably people that, you know, are leading themselves solely because we're all leaders to some degree, but getting there versus getting there when I want to get there. (laughs) They're two very different things, right? (laughs) I can want it. I can want it to be different. I can desire it. And I can try from force to make it different than it is. And the real answer is you will get there when you get there. A hundred percent. It will be when it is time. And the other thing that I've just recently learned is um, there is a place where you can be both in acceptance and surrender of what is, and also working through intention and alignment to where you want to go from there. I have always up to this point been in force of I'm gonna make it happen. And I understand why, because there was always so many no's and so much resistance. And like you said, I, in some places to my own detriment, refuse to accept no as an answer. And there's also a point where and I think this is where I am in my life. I got to the point where I realized I've gone as far as I could on my own. It's mm. going to require me to be part of a team in order to go from here. Yeah. And well, it's, it's. T- together we achieve more, right? Together we achieve more. Um, you know, you, everybody has their own natural ceiling of achievement and some are higher than others. And I actually, I remember having a, a conversation. There was a time not, not really that long ago that someone was talking to me for 
a role like you have with a with another Keller Williams office and and um and and it was um she said something to me that I think was meant to be a compliment but it didn't feel like a compliment and she said because I was telling her all the different stuff that I had going on she goes wow you you have an incredible level of capacity and I took it as her saying like you got too much going on, Bucca, right? <laughs> <laughs> which still may have been what she said. Um, and, 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 and during that process, I was like, man, like I do, I, I have so much going on and I, and I, and I'm, and I am able to start so many things, but what I've learned is that I'm so good at getting things off the ground, but man, do I really need people to help me get it to soar? Yeah. I, and I've realized that, and, and as I look back and I reflect in life, people joke with me all the time, like, Romeo, what job have you not had? And I'm like, <laughs> not many, not many, really. I've had so many. Um, but every job that I've ever been at, I've quickly risen in that yeah. job and yeah. then somehow found a way to sabotage, right? I now, this is the first that. time I haven't totally sabotaged, but I'm trying every day. <laughs> not intentionally. And you know what? For people like us, because I have done that myself, um, for people like us, what's required is, or really where, where the breakthrough is, is somebody. So like I've quit, I've quit three times. And every time I go to Sherry and my, uh, the owner and the operating partner of the market center, every time I've gone to her and said, I think my time's I, like, I think I'm the ceiling. I'm the ceiling. I'll help you find your, your person. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm holding us back and I don't want to do that. And she's said, okay, what do you want to do? And like, what needs to happen for you to have that? And it was never in the, like, you know, the arm wrestle of, of, um, of making me wrong there. It was just the like, okay, what's here for you? And then the question is like, what's available for you on the other side of this breakthrough? Mm. You're in breakdown. What's available on the other side if you were to break through? Right. And really the reason why I was sabotaging and the reason why I was you know, coming up against my own wall and resigning to save the organization <laughs> was because I was being confronted by my own stuff. And, and it was... You know, it was uncomfortable to sit here. So I wanted to get out of discomfort and I just need to like put it down and leave it alone when really that's when the breakthrough is possible when yeah. you get there. And so like the people in our world who hold that space for us and who hold us accountable to our shit and don't let us sabotage ourselves and everyone else in the space, you know, those are the magic makers. Oh man. Yes. Yes. And yes. Wow. Yeah. And isn't it crazy how our minds can take us to those places so quickly? Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. So, so I'll share a story with you that I don't know that I've shared with anybody publicly, but, um, when I, when, after you and I were, were working together on that team, um, I, you know, we've had this conversation, like I, I flipped some houses that year. I wholesaled a couple houses. I sold some houses and I got them the year and I, and I had made good money, but I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like I'm all over the place and I don't really know what I'm doing. 
And so then I decided that I was going to start selling real estate. And so I had a couple of investors and I started doing okay. And then there was a point when, um, not that long ago, a couple of years, three, four years, maybe where I was really struggling, really struggling internally. And also my business was just going through a couple months period where I was like, what in the hell am I going to do? And I'm pulling into my neighborhood and the city of Annapolis had one of those big signs up, like those construction signs. And it yeah. said, Annapolis City Police Department now hiring. And I went, I could do that. I understand. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and I told my wife and she's like, you're not going to be a cop. And I was like, I mean... I, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. And then, you know, last year, now granted, it doesn't make me special because many people had their best years ever, but the year that I had last year, and I'm like, I could have been five cops, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I it, totally and get it. It happened so fast. <laughs> I totally get it. For me, that, that like awakening was, um, so like go back to the, the financials and the money. I, I've made money. I've lost money. I've made money. I've lost money. We've been in financial ruin. And we also took a three-week vacation to Hawaii and stayed at, you know, five-star, four-star, five-star, whatever. Like nice places. We've done it. Um, four seasons, Ritz, like we did right. it the best for three weeks. And I was talking with, I have many coaches in my world, like five. I was talking with one of them and he was in my house and he said, if you don't pay attention to where you are right now, you will hit bottom. And I was like, I cannot do that again. I cannot do that again. It is too hard. I have risen from the ashes too many times. I cannot do it again. Like as emphatic as I was, it was like he had the decision process of like <laughs> granted, you know? And he said, well, Amy, you're the only one who has, who has control over that. And he said, actually, you've become brilliant at rising from the ashes. The question here is, can you not crash? Mm. Can you not hit bottom? And I was like, well, I don't know how to do it any differently. And he said, like, start listening to yourself and stop doing things you don't want to do. Like, stop being in places where you're, where you're, where you don't want to be, where you're not listening to your own truth. Mm. Stop looking for the adventure outside of yourself. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I too had considered becoming a police. <laughs> I mean, like you look for like, this doesn't feel good. So what's my next adventure? Oh man, that, I love that. Um, stop looking for adventure outside of yourself. I, I, it reminds me of something that I heard recently where it said um, the, the, the root cause of all suffering is wanting to be over there when you're here. 
I, yeah. Um, somebody that I've known for years in real estate um, was here for a settlement. And I look at him as a father figure, adore him. And like my face lights up every time he comes in. And he said, how you doing? How's kids? But they're good. He said, what's going on with you? I said, well, you know, my son is about to graduate. He's like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, you know, he knows that means I'm an empty nester. And like, like, what are you going to do now? It's like, I don't know. I got offered a job and, you know, like I, I might, I might move. And he said, where are you going? I was like, I might go to Boulder. I might go to Sedona. Like I could go anywhere. And he goes, okay, just remember, wherever you go, you take Amy with you. Oh. And I was like, I'm not running from anything. I'm running towards something. And he's like, sure you are. It's like, where are your kids in school? I said, Maryland and Pennsylvania. He's like, you're not going anywhere. Okay. Wherever you go, you take yourself with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you better like the company. We have gotten very close. <laughs> I invite her. I invite her to do many things with me. Yeah, there is. There is no. Um, there is no avoiding your own truth. You can try. I listen to loud music to try and you know drown her out. I have like made myself very busy to the point where you know I crash to go to sleep so I don't hear my own thoughts and wake up and and run. I've overpacked my schedule. I've overcommitted. I've I've done everything, and the 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 truth catches up to you in those quiet moments, and it's yours to decide if you if you're ready to hear it, and who you want to be with it, and then who you want to be about it. Mm. Yeah, we're getting deep in this one. I mean, there you know. <laughs> I meditate. I think you do too, right? Yeah. I got to plug yeah. my phone in. Sorry. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And when I first started that, that was really weird. Well, first off, when I actually first, for the first time, actually meditated and I actually dropped my shoulders and I was like, holy hell, they were like six inches above where they are right now. I didn't realize they could get so low. Now I like, it's, it's almost like if, if you've ever smoked a cigarette, it's like that first cigarette. It's like, you're constantly chasing that every time I meditate. Now I'm yes. like, they won't go any lower. <laughs> Am I stressed or are they just loose now, right? So anyways, um, but the, the conversations, well, the thoughts, right? The thoughts, the never ending thoughts that oftentimes you like, they come and they go and you don't pay attention. But when you take that time and you slow down and then the thoughts that come into your mind, um, it's really interesting. And if you can allow yourself to get past like the superficial, right. Of like, oh, I got to call such yeah. back. Oh my God, I didn't do right. that. Oh, right. Once those Grocery subside. List. Yeah. And then you yeah. start actually like listening to your thoughts and paying attention. I think the best thing I ever heard is like your thoughts. If you can just like, look at them, like you're on a bridge and their cars driving past right. below you and like, just watch mm -hmm. them and let them go as they go out of sight. That was something that was really helpful for me to kind of keep letting thoughts come in. But man, the internal dialogue that happens all day long without us realizing it is really powerful. My survival, we all have survival mechanism. It's those things that we learned and decided subconsciously. Um, and like that voice, or I have a few, I've given them names. Okay. Um, and, and 
understand, I understand their intention. Their intention is to keep me safe. Their intention is to protect me. Their intention is to help me avoid the past traumas and the results that, that felt so damaging and negative. I understand that. However, not everything that feels like it's dangerous is dangerous. Mm. And so those voices that are working so hard to protect us are actually potentially holding us back from exactly what it is that we want. Yeah. And what I've, what I've learned in my journey is the question isn't, is survival mechanism going to show up? The question is when, and I now expect it to double down. And I have asked people who are close to me to, to mention it if they see it and I don't. So I've got like a board of directors. I love that. Because my survival mechanism is very convincing and it will stop me every time and I will let it because it, it just feels so, so, um, so certain. And it makes so much sense. And really everything that I want is on the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's our, it's your, you're, you're a hundred percent right that that is exactly what the internal dialogue is there to do is to keep you safe. However, safe is not always what's best, right? No. Like, you know, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and and my wife and I disagree on this quite a bit, and she wants to stop them from doing everything dangerous, and I say, yeah, don't stop them from doing dangerous things carefully. Yeah. Let's let them do those dangerous things carefully so that they oh. can understand, right? Because yes. in this journey, what I've realized is if we're not careful as our as uh, the parents of these two little girls, we're going to instill our belief system into their programming without them having an yes. opportunity to learn their own. And I don't want to yes. do that to them. Yeah. I was that person. I was that mom. There is a story. I think it's um, is it Lemony Snicket's was a book that we read when the kids and there was a crazy aunt in there and she was the you know like step away from the doorknob because it might break and a shard of glass might get in your eye okay that was me as a mom like I felt I felt life or death was in my hands and I needed it was my job to like protect the kids and so that they could you know survive to the next moment and it felt very weighty and it was exhausting and I I struggled and my husband used to make fun of me because he was the like fun dad. I used to call him uncle dad. Like he was the fun dad. And I was the mom, the mother who like made it all happen. And yet I, I couldn't have fun. And I now, I now understand. And it's, it's a, for me, it was a trauma response and it, everything seemed so dangerous and so scary. And really understanding how to how to mitigate risk and how to make the decision of what's just scary and what's truly dangerous. Yeah. So like I'm a skier, not kind of skier you are. I'm <laughs> I'm a skier. And like there are places in my life where I will take risk and there are places where I will like I'll I'll skip to the edge and then I'll watch some some people go down so I can navigate how they're doing it without breaking something. Yeah. You know, it's that it's it's understanding for yourself where that line is and if you don't feel well I'll speak for myself where i don't feel accountable or where i can trust myself in that 
where my survival mechanism voice is just too loud and convincing. That's where I go to my board of directors. This is what I'm thinking of. This is what I'm seeing. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And that's how I'm navigating this because I'm still not sure that I'm always not that, you know, that aunt who, who is afraid of the door not breaking. I, I know that I'm not, and yet it's still there. And I just want to make sure that I'm not missing, I'm not missing the adventure out of fear of something that's not really dangerous. Well, I love that you have the, the insight into yourself to be able to put together a board of directors to help to help you with that. I mean, that, that, that alone is, is really powerful, right? To have enough insight into who you are to, to put safeguards in. So, I mean, kudos to you, like lessons in there that so many of us could take. Um, I need a board of directors, I think in the opposite direction. I'm a little too adventurous. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have um, an incredible person in my world who uh, manages the finances um, and it's not my wife, <laughs> but um but she always says, Romeo, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then she has to go. She sent me an email the other day, coming to Jesus conversation. And I was like, what is going oh. on? <laughs> yeah, we get on a call and she's like, here's what's going on in the businesses. Like, you either need to tell me where things are coming from, or we need to really have a coming to Jesus around like what we're doing. Because again, I have a couple of businesses and I'm like, Okay, fair enough. She's 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 keeping me safe in places where I won't, you know. Yeah. Or keeping me tempered, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry's my business partner in a few of our ancillary businesses, and she's the the owner of the market center. And there, and she is a very high on the optimism scale. Mm. I am not. I'm like a four, four and a half. So okay. I'm gonna see like what could go wrong. I believe in myself and I believe in my vision. The question is like, what are the obstacles going to be? Sure. Sherry is off the charts optimistic. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's fine. It's fine. And she'll even see that when like there's smoke coming up. And I will <laughs> say there, I've learned that I have to say, it's not fine. It's not fine. I'm not fine. It's not okay. This is not okay. And she'll be like, it's fine. fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm getting ready to retake my KPA. I'm having our whole team do it so we can like do a reset. And and, and yeah. so I'll, I'll have to tell you what mine is. I don't remember what it is, but I, but I think my optimism is like seven, eight. <laughs> so it's, it's oh, also pretty wow. high. Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty high also. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. You know, well, speaking like, of, as, sorry, go ahead. As long as you're around people who balance you, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, having those people and having those people around that'll be honest with you, right? I'm sure as you as you continue to grow and 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 you know from the outside perception gain more cloud or more significance in, in your role, it's harder to get people to be honest with you. You know, and I don't and, seem to have that issue. No, well, I mean, like I, I tell the team all the time you know, and, and I feel it also like there was, there was something going wrong, not that long ago. And Sarah, my wife, she's like, tell Adam. And I was like, I'm not going to bother Adam with this. And she's like, tell Adam. And I'm like, I'm just not going to bother Adam with this. And then my business partner, Joel saw Adam and like shared with him some frustration. And then Adam reached out and was like, Hey, can we get on a call? Like I, I hear something and I, and I want to know. And I told Sarah and she's like, I told you, 
And I was like, yeah, you're right. I didn't, I just didn't think I wanted to bother him. And so I have to now, since that happened, I tell the team every day, like, Hey, we are trying really hard and we know we're botching almost everything. Please don't be afraid to tell us what we're getting wrong so that we can fix it. Cause we genuinely want to fix these things. And also like bear with us because it's never going to be perfect. It's always going to be a shit show. (laughs) I think that's something else that I've learned in leadership recently. And that is the authenticity and transparency. So like as a parent, I thought that I needed to um, bear the brunt of it and and make everything the highlight reel for them. Mm. Again, not wanting to give them the experience that I had. I want them to have, you know, the opposite. And so it comes from a good place. And to them, like things weren't adding up and it seemed um, that there were some inconsistencies and it it was creating some doubt and fear for them. And meanwhile, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that I'm avoiding the doubt and fear by protecting them. And really what they needed was to know a little bit more about what was going on. And I realized that in my work life also, and in you know market center in my other businesses i um am a coach and i i understand that there is a point where for my own reason i want to not let you know that there are cracks and the truth is this is a place for us to connect and have intimacy and for you to understand what's going on and i'm still carrying the the responsibility of the leadership by showing you what's going on, this is now a team conversation and it's creating opportunity for trust and, and, and respect. And it's, you know, my ego, my desire to protect, all of the things that are gotten in the way, getting that out makes everything better. And it, it's been a lesson over and over and over. Yeah. Well, when you let people in also, there's a lot of great ideas that come from other folks. Maybe somebody has the key and and you don't even know it. Absolutely. And that's what I was shortchanging myself by holding all of the responsibility. I had to become the one with all the answers Mm. and you don't have to be. That's That's not the definition of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the definition of leadership. Yeah. So speaking of leadership in your role, I know that you have a lot of other things going on in your world. I want you to have an opportunity to share some of those things. So you're a team leader of the mm-hmm. KW in Baltimore City, and mm-hmm. you have um, a, a blog as well as a, a podcast. So share with us yeah. some of those things. And, and also, I know that you started um, a, a chapter in organization um, that's yeah. women-centric. Please share all those things with us. Sure. So... Um... Four years ago, four or five years ago, I started writing and um, organized it into you know, a WordPress account and then had the desire, had the thought of like, okay, I'll, sh- I'll share this. It came from, what was it? Like the, the final step of healing is when you share your story and your story of, of um, healing becomes the like foundation for somebody else to do the same. Mm. And I was like, okay, so I'll share and I'll help. And I organized the blog site and I announced it and got really freaked out and canceled and like, you know, pulled it, pulled it down from being public. It's private. And then I think like two years later, I went to launch it again, did the same thing and I pulled it back. 
I've still been writing all of this. And now I understand what the hesitation was and, and now I'm ready. So I'm going to be making the blog public. Um, we're toying with a couple different names. Um, the, it's, uh, it's the, the journey from pieces to piece, but a, a friend of mine titled it ready, Amy fire. I and, that. um, and that stuck. So right now that's the, the blog. Um, and the podcast started during quarantine because I'm such a connection person and I, I enjoy talking with people. I was reaching out and we were doing FaceTimes because I miss seeing people's faces. And um, then it was like, we were having such great conversations. We were like, oh my gosh, we should record them. So we started doing that. And then I noticed that there was a common thread in our conversations. Everyone was struggling. We were all crying. It was scary. It was lonely. It was isolating. We were missing the, the parts of life that we really enjoyed. And they were talking to me, but they weren't sharing it between them. So um, I had the idea of doing a podcast and sharing all of the, the non-highlight real stuff. And what came out of that was um, the mission to, to share and normalize and highlight the failures that we all experience on the way to our next success. The success, the drive or the, the, the want for the achievement or the success of something is what informs the plan. And the plan is where you see all of the challenges and the failures. And that's also what makes us who we are. Yeah. So this conversation is about like, okay, let, let's talk about that and let's celebrate that. Not just the successes, because that's that's on the gram. That's mm -hmm. in the book of faces. Right. But this is <laughs> this is where we really are. So, and that's called a fresh coat of paint. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And and tell us about the um uh the uh the chapter, the foundation. The chapter. Yeah. Sure. So there's a national organization um of lady leaders of real estate. And it's an amazing group of women. Um, and they've been doing this. I think there's like 8,000, 9,000 members. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it's across, it's across the country. Um, we get together at, you know, big events twice a year. Um, and then, you know, connection by, by Zoom and, and, you know, chat groups in between. And they decided um, a couple of years ago to take, nominations for to create local chapters I got nominated I went through this um interview process with like letters of recommendation and all of that stuff and I got selected to be a chapter president for Baltimore Amazing. so we're lady leaders Baltimore and um with quarantine we didn't do in-person events we just did our first inaugural launch the next one is October 6th it's a Thursday and it's not just for real estate agents. Real estate is a driving force in the financial markets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so really almost every business in some way intersects with real estate yeah. and the women are welcome. It's a place to connect, explore, evolve, inspire one another, feel, you know, our, ourselves and really create a community where, um, where we can, where we can bring our authenticity and, um, and build the motto is to lift as we climb. I love that. Amazing. Truly, truly amazing. Well, the Amy Kushner, we have had another really amazing conversation. I think you and I could probably do a, a, a marathon of podcasts all oh at God. one time, <laughs> but, um, I don't know how many people would listen to it all the way through. So maybe we, maybe we turn that into a book. Maybe that's new. 
maybe we create like a like a a, a book cast and, uh, and go from there yeah so um I appreciate you so much. I think that the stories that you shared, thank you for your vulnerability and for your openness and the lessons and and all the nuggets. I think that this is going to be a a top, top uh, download in our, in our show. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest on the show and, uh, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. I look forward to it. Talk to you soon, my friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.